Strap on the boots and scrape up the knuckles. Oh, what a hit! He got jacked. This is the Big Red Ring. Presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Murray's going to score. Touchdown. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. <laughs> the Rage is brought to you by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Are you Santan Ford? State Farm. Talk to an agent today at 800-STATE-FARM. And by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. The Red Sea is rising up. Temperature rising, vision blurring, rage taking over. Here's Paul Calvisi. I'm ready. I'm 100% ready. I'm telling you I'm ready. And Ron Wolfley. It doesn't get any better than that. Unleash the fury. I tell you, if you need to pick me up, just do what I just did. I just got done watching the Wired piece featuring Jonathan Gannon on the Cardinals' YouTube page, right? All access. Cardinals head coach all mic'd up for a practice because, remember, JG rhymes with energy. And I'm something fired up right now for this edition of the Big Red Rage presented by Santan, Ford, and Gilbert. In fact, I hope our guest host has packed a lunch for the next 60 minutes because Ron Wolfley on assignment we welcome Rob Fredrickson back to the airwaves and the Big Red Rage, the former Cardinals linebacker. Rob, how are we doing this evening? Paulie, I'm fired up. I can tell you're fired up. Your right. energy. I mean, you, hey, you look good too, Paul. You've been working out or what? <laughs> Thanks. I've been winning the offseason. Nobody's really noticed, so thank you for pointing that out. I appreciate that. I don't know. It looks like you've been doing some pull-ups on the tall <laughs> tall rack or something in the bathroom. What, yeah. what's going Well, anytime you use the word tall and yours truly, I better get out the lie detector. Let's just put it that way. Maybe I'm so fired up because the offseason is over. Next stop, Cardinals camp. And Cardinals players, literally, at least the veterans, literally leaving the facility today, the Arizona Cardinals Dignity Health, Arizona Cardinals Training Center, right? You tell me, a decade in the NFL, what's that feeling like? Off-season's over, mandatory minicamp is a wrap. you got about five weeks or so until training camp. What are you thinking, what are you feeling as a player? You know, for the most part, I think, especially with a new coaching staff coming in and a new culture, which we'll talk about, um, you're going to see a lot of guys staying around you're going to see a lot of guys in here tomorrow uh, working out uh, uh, Monday working out so it's it's not going to be a, a big um, mind, mindset shift it's it's just going to be you know a continuation of the offseason until training camp starts yeah if you had a checklist for Jonathan Gannon in the offseason it would be something like this culture check accountability check winning behavior you're trying to install just that, right? Attention to detail. You're definitely trying to hit the reset button on that. In fact, the question to Jonathan Gannon here at the end of the offseason was, where exactly does your team stand after minicamp? At a point there in the offseason, it felt like we were moving fast on a lot of things, a lot of different balls in the air, but uh, really like where we are as far as where we are right now at the end of minicamp and uh, a lot of work to be done this summer, but... I think that we set a good foundation for when we come back here. You know, it's going to be, it's going to be ratcheted up just a tad. Just a bit when you get to Cardinals camp. One of the comments that stood out to me was Zayvon Collins in the media last week, Rob, and he said, and I quote, players, they feel the pressure, and it's a good thing. You have new decision makers with a new head coach and a new GM, and attendance was 100% across the board. Not everyone was on the field, but everyone was in the building 
And uh, I'm guessing that's not a fluke that, you know, in a, in a situation in a league where you have to always compete for your job, uh, guess what? There are new eyes on this roster. Oh, there are. And, and you know, look, you're going to have buy-in from the rookies and the, and the rookie free agents that have been brought in. You're going to have that automatic buy-in. They're, they're, they're trying to make the squad. They're trying to put their best foot forward and, and show this coaching staff what they can do and what they're all about. Uh, so you're going to have that whether or not the coaching staff's new or has sure. been here for 10 years. Yep. Um, it's, it's the veterans and it's, it's the, um, uh, the veteran free agents and the veteran players that you need to get that buy-in from. And I, th- I think they're getting it because they want to also prove it. It's one of those, those prove-it uh, mentality things. When you bring in a new coaching staff um, you gotta, and you're not one of their guys, you're not one of their draft picks or one of their free agent uh, players that they brought in, uh, you need to prove it. You need to show them that, that you are uh, a part of this team and, and an integral part of this team moving forward. I've talked to a number of guys who have started the conversation with, look, the allegiances that used to exist, they vanished. There are no more allegiances between the GM and the head coach and most of this roster. So when you talk about buying in and proving it, spoken like a true former player, because that's exactly what Hollywood Brown had to say this week when he was on with Wolf and Luke. I feel like everybody's in that mode of really trying to prove it and trying to be that team we know we can be. Uh, guys done been on good teams. You know, guys done came from good programs or other teams or good colleges. So you you kind of know what it takes. So for us, it's being here, being together, gelling, uh, buying into whatever these coaches are laying out, and that's how we're going to be the team that we want to be. Dennis Gardak saying this week, and I quote, accountability has definitely been ratcheted up. And it was a little uncomfortable at first. There's sort of a new way. I mean, there's definitely a new head coach, and there's a new way about things. But, Rob, to me it was absolutely necessary. Because how many times over the last couple of years did we talk after games about Cardinals beating Cardinals? Mm-hmm. That accountability, the attention to detail, which matters in the NFL, little things or big things. For example, we were talking about penalties. And I asked Craig Greeley the other day, I just said, didn't the Cardinals finish top three last year? And then two years earlier, they had led the league in penalties. And, and it was true. And, and Craig Greerlew style, his new nickname is AI, by the way, for artificial intelligence. He, he drilled deeper into it. You realize the Cardinals had 118 accepted penalties last year. That was most in the NFL. And 52 of them were pre-snap. The most pre-snap penalties in the NFL. To me, that's attention to detail. It's, it's completely attention to detail. It's discipline. And, you know, the product they put on the field last season, quite frankly, just wasn't good enough, Paul. And, and so for them to, to come into this offseason and come into these training uh, mini camps um, and not, uh, you know, be on their toes, that, that would be uh, even more concerning. But they, they didn't. They came in. Um, they put their best foot forward. The players, and they're buying into uh, what Gannon is trying to do. And, and um, it's a culture shift. It's a change. And they're 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 not good enough to to be blasé and and where you, where's the tea time after after practice? They're not that good right now. Good enough to do that right now? Um, they really need to focus on those minute small details and get those things um, really hunkered down. Otherwise, you know it's it's going to be a struggle. I mean, think of how many players this offseason have told us about the Cardinals' emphasis and offense to run the ball. Right, I mean, whether it's Cole McCoy or Will Hernandez, DJ Humphreys, James Conner. In fact, we're talking to Keontae Ingram here in a few moments, Cardinals running back, just about that new attitude, the new approach, especially on offense, 
but there's going to be a much more physical style of football. At least that's the way the coaching staff tells it. That's the vibe the players are getting. Obviously, it's what uh, Jonathan Gannon calls pajama ball in the offseason. Yeah. You've yet to go full contact, full speed, full pads. But I, I think it's going to look different, just the brand of football, Rob, once we get to August in Cardinals camp. Yeah, I don't think there's a coaching staff in the NFL that doesn't say we're going to emphasize the run game uh, this year. The difference is, will you stay committed and true to that mantra? Will, will you stay committed to running the ball when um, maybe the last possession was three and out? And you went three and out for two or three possessions in a row. Will you continue uh, to stay dedicated to running the football? I, I think, look, look for Kyler Murray's growth, um, and this is, this is an important year for him. Um, obviously, first you've got, you got to get him healthy and get him on the field. But for his growth, to have an offense and, and their mentality, the number one mentality being run the ball, I think that's only going to benefit Kyler. The play-action pass comes off of that, and he can, he can make some of those throws on time which is, is, is going to be a point of emphasis, is, is getting that ball out of his hands on time so he doesn't take those hits and he doesn't have to run around and, and try and ad lib. Um, that, 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 to me, is really going to spell growth for Kyler. And if Kyler's growing and if Kyler's uh, benefiting from that run game, the, and the entire team is really going to benefit. And we're going to talk again at Keontae Ingram about that run game. We're also going to hear Jonathan Gannon wired up a little bit later in the show. And we'll talk about Zayvon Collins, Isaiah Simmons, who I think are the two biggest individual questions on the Cardinals defense. But did zoom out on this brand new defense. If you were to ask me the position groups that are most undecided so far, the most to figure out, I'd say the top three are on the defensive side of the ball between D-line, corner, and edge. What do you... What are you going to be looking for once we get around August in the three preseason games and you're out at camp, Nick Rowless, you know, young defensive coordinator, it's Jonathan Gannon's system coming from Philadelphia, but you know, there's so many question marks and unknowns with this Cardinals defense. Where do you start, you think, once we get to August? I think primarily the you you, you hit the nail on the head is is cornerback, that's that's the key position, but also getting pressure on the quarterback and and who are going to be those outside edge outside edge uh, pass rushers that the Cardinals can rely on and and get some good pressure and get some good movement in the pocket there that's going to be important and then obviously we we talked about it a little bit uh, Isaiah Simmons and Zayvon Collins where do they fit in this defense they're too good athletically to not have a prominent role in this defense it was interesting. Zach Ertz was asked by Wolf and Luke about the offense. He said, how different is it from a last year? He said it couldn't be more different. What Cliff was doing, what Drew Petzing is doing right now. On defense, I'm curious because Jonathan Gannon led the NFL in sacks a year ago with the Eagles. They had 70, 15 more than any other team, but they didn't have to blitz. They didn't have to. Yeah. They had an unbelievable front seven. Yeah. This year, remember Jonathan Gannon's famous saying, adapt or die. I think he might be forced to dial it up a lot more. Yeah, it's 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 all about personnel. And if you don't have to bring that extra man or two men um, and you can get away with rushing four, that's that's obviously the, the primary uh, thing that you want to have accomplished. But if you have to bring those extra guys, um, I, I expect uh, Gannon to dial it up. Hey, Season 6, Episode 4, Cardinals Flight Plan. If you haven't seen it, great stuff. I mean, up and down. The War Room with Monty Austin Ford. Just go to the Cardinals YouTube page, youtube.com slash AZ Cardinals. The rookie's going out to a D-backs game. Lots of good stuff. All right, he was a rookie last year, year two for Keontae Ingram. He's RB2, we think, behind James Conner. We'll talk about all that and more 
Rob Fredrickson in for Wolf on the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Murray straight drop back, looking to throw, dumps it off short left. Caught by Ingram at the 30, broke a tackle. Near side 40, runs right 45, slips another tackle. Ingram at the 50-yard line, tries to cut it back, and finally taken down, but that's a gain of 25 for Keontae Ingram. You talk about run after the catch right there. That is big time, Keontae. Snap to Murray. Going to give to Ingram, running straight ahead. Ingram diving for the goal line. And he's into the end zone for his first NFL touchdown. That's what I'm talking about right there, baby. Light up in the pistol. Hand the ball off to Keontae Ingram. Let him stick that thing in there. A great job at the point of attack. Hey, you want someone who can run it? Someone who can catch it. Someone who can make a man miss or powered in from the goal line like that two-yard touchdown, his first career against the Saints last year. You want someone who could be a 240-pound power back like he was at Texas or a 220-pounder who's going to make you miss. That would be our guest tonight on the Big Red Rage, Keontae Ingram, all presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford. Keontae is no longer a rookie. It is year two. How are you different this time this year versus this time last year when we first met you and talked to you? Just my knowledge of the game and how I approach it. You know, just sitting around veterans who did it over and over, especially like James Conner, then learning from, you know, Benjamin, then Big Hump over there. You know how Hump is, you know. So just sitting in a room with those guys, you don't have no choice but to soak up um, all the knowledge, um, squad tissue work, just small detail things, whatever the case may be, you know. So. I remember you saying between, I don't know, high school, Texas, and then your final year at USC, you studied James Conner? You used to study his film when you were in college? Oh, yeah, most definitely. I, I study probably – any running back you can think of, man. I, that's, I think that's a running back thing. <laughs> so, so what have you learned being a teammate of James mm-hmm. Conner as a guy who's gone to two Pro Bowls? Mm-hmm. Man, one thing I learned, uh, being disciplined and consistent. You know, it's not about going out there and throwing them the uh, the most amount of weight. It's about going out there and being consistent, going out there every day and doing it. You know, that's a, a point that I learned from James Conner. And then just getting close to him, you see why he's a Pro Bowler. You see why he's having the success he's having, so. Keontae Ingram is our guest here on the Big Red Rage, and we asked him about you recently, and he just talked about the leap you've taken from year one to year two. So just tell us, in terms of your ability, your skill set, you know, what are you weighing right now? Mm-hmm. How is it feeling out, and how are you fitting into this offense? Sort of give us a, an overall update on you. Oh, yeah, man. Uh, so the offseason going great. I'm 220 pounds right now. I'm feeling lean. I'm feeling mean at the same time. Uh, the system's going to fit me well. Uh, we, me and James Conner, we both excited about it, especially us being more downhill body type guys, uh, bigger back type guys. Uh, so we're excited. Um, learning the system, getting familiar with it, just the timing, the cadences, uh, the chemistry that the office need, uh, just breaking all those points down. And I feel like we got a pretty good preview of that uh, coming out of OTA. So now we got a little bit of momentum going in fall camp and I just trying to get ready for okay. Zach Ertz was asked in the studio a couple days ago just how different is this offense versus last year, and he said it couldn't be any more different. <laughs> <laughs> so kind of fill in the blank. I mean, uh, you know, what, what, what are some of your initial takeaways of this scheme by Drew Petzing? Uh, multiple offense. That's how I like to look at it. Uh, you got the run and the pass. We're going to be a lot more balanced. Uh, I feel like that's what the team kind of wanted. Uh, you can tell the big guys up front kind of want that too. So if they want it, we want it at the same time. So What's it like for a running back when you're getting the handoff from a quarterback that's under center 
versus when you're in the gun? Um, I say time and reaction of the play. Um, you got to know where you're going and what move you're going to make getting it from the five yards from the line of scrimmage because at the end of the day, you five yards from the line of scrimmage, <laughs> you know. Um, the difference coming downhill, man, you got the best seat in the house. You know, uh, everybody wants that, you know. So uh, now we're getting that opportunity. Now it's time to go maximize. So whether it's Will Hernandez or DJ Humphreys or Colt McCoy, James Conner, I mean, even Zach Ertz, everyone when asked about this offense, their first initial takeaway is, we're going to run the ball more, right? And there's that enthusiasm. You smile. Yeah. What is it about that? I mean, you know, how fired up does that get you? Oh, man, uh, locked and loaded, you know. Um, it was back. Um, some of the stuff we kind of do, I kind of did in high school a little bit. Um, so I'm very excited there, especially. Um, just to see new faces, see how we're going to uh, use them in the offense and use everybody to their capability. I feel like that's the fun part about it. You can tell everybody's voice, so. So for those who don't know, Keontae Ingram is our guest. You were a big-time high school football player in the state of Texas. You won a couple of state titles in the Cowboys Stadium. Yeah. Kyler won three, <laughs> right? I mean, you, yeah. you guys have a lot in common. You were one of the most highly sought-after recruits in the country. Went to Texas, finished at USC. I mean, it's interesting between you, Kyler, Colt McCoy, even Clayton Toon, mm-hmm. big time. You know, for those of us who have only read the book or seen the movie or the TV series Friday Night Lights, how real is that to the fabric and culture of being a Texan? I feel like the best way to sum it up is just to say it's a religion. <laughs> it is. I feel like most uh, states don't take on the grit that Texas take on, and I'm aware that with pride. So, <laughs> You were like a USA Today All-American as like a 16- or 17-year-old. What was that like? I mean, you were a legitimate celebrity halfway yeah. through high school, weren't you? No, nah, it was. Uh, it was very different, um, you know, especially with football. But I kind of it's, – it's, it's in our culture. It's in our blood, you know. So you really don't look at it like that until you really go, I guess, outside of states such as like USC&D. You really see the difference in it, you know. But um, – yeah, man, I, I feel like it's just in our blood. You seem like you're really grounded. But was there a version, a teenage version of Keontae Ingram who maybe got a big ego, a big head? Uh, I never was a big ego guy. I was very confident, confident. You know, I um, really believe in my abilities, what I can do, how I see the game. Um, I've been playing the game since four or five years old, way back in flag football, you know, and uh, the mechanics still the same. I still got to put it in the end zone, and you got to have the extra grit to have it, and um, I feel like I haven't lost that, you know, so. <laughs> Before I ask Keontae Ingram about Kyla Murray, let's hear from Hollywood Brown recently on the Wolf and Luke show just talking about how motivated Kyler is these days. Kyler's a guy, he's a competitor, so for him, you know, he hear the talks of, oh, he's not going to be able to do this or do that. He's going to be so for him, he's dialed in. You know, he's always been chip on his shoulder guy. So he got an even bigger chip now, and he's just he's at going after it. What do you see? I mean, you've been familiar with Kyler's game since high school. What oh, do you yeah. see this year as he rehabs from the torn ACL? Oh yeah, you, you see it. I mean, you check his resume out to speak for itself. You know, and when you're on that level, that's what come with it. And the guys who been in those doors a couple of times or know what that feel like, that we understand. You know, we see it, and we all behind him. You know, at the end of the day, you know, he's our captain, he's our leader. We're gonna roll with him. NFL Network the other day they showed a replay: Cardinals Seahawks from Week Nine. It was the first game where the Cardinals took the opening possession and scored a touchdown. 
And as part of that drive, Kyler ripped off a big third down run. You could just see how deflating that was for Seattle's defense. Oh, yeah. I mean, what does that do? Like when you're in the huddle and you're on the field and then all of a sudden Kyler breaks loose and he makes it to the sticks, how backbreaking is that for a defense? Oh, man, that's very backbreaking, especially when you put in hours, hours, and then you got the pocket collapsing just to keep him in the pocket. And then he get a big gain on third down. You know, um, that's backlash, especially with an athlete like that who, who can throw it and run it, you know what I'm saying, and who can know the game, who can line everybody up and be consistent with it, you know, especially put, being 5'10", you know what I'm saying. You just can't go out there and do that at 5'10". So. How much respect does he get just running the ball from the running backs? Kyler Murray. Oh, he got a lot of respect, but at the end of the day, you know, we here for a reason. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's good. That's good. And and, and look, I mean, um, how do you see yourself fitting into this? We know the days of a single premier 300, 400 carry running back in the NFL are dead, with the exception of maybe Derrick Henry. Okay. I mean, you got to have more than just James Conner. It's a 17 game season. Mm -hmm. So, as you envision and and have goals for this season, what do you hope to achieve this year? Um, To be the best version of me for the sake of the team. You know, um, I'm a young guy. I haven't done nothing yet. Um, I'm still earning my stripes for my teammates, guys who won Pro Bowls and stuff like that. So be that it factor when I step in line and then when my number is called, uh, that's the biggest thing for me, you know. You know, Zayvon Collins said the other day that players feel the pressure with a new GM, a new head coach. He said it's a good thing. Good thing. It's definitely ramped things up. But tell us, what what is the vibe like? What is the culture like since Jonathan Gannon took over? Oh, man, different. Different approach. Um, a lot more um, guys, discipline, you know, uh, being consistent with what they want and how they approach their business going coming through the door. I feel like that's the main thing. Um, you could tell um, workout programs, uh, practice, how JG take care of us. But when it's time to go, it's time to go. You know, and uh, that's one thing he preached about the game. You know, so um, you feel it in the locker room. You hear in the guys' voices. You hear guys excited. You hear guys motivated. You know, regardless of what the outside say, that's what come with it. You know, but, uh, man, we're excited and ready to go. He talks about winning behavior versus non-winning behavior. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't hesitate. To hold guys accountable, does he? Oh, no, 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 not at all. Because <laughs> no, you, no. you hear it on the practice field. What's it like behind the scenes? Because guys have told stories where he'll call someone out in a meeting to make sure they're paying attention. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> he caught me a few times. <laughs> yeah, he caught me a few times, man. But at the end of the day, man, JG just wants the best for uh, us in the sake of the team. You know what I'm saying? Uh, he pulled me over one time during ball handling. He's like, man, I hope the guys really understand, man, the highs and the low days. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, coach, they understand. You know, you feel it in the locker room. You see it in the energy. So, Were you ready when he called on you? Oh, heck yeah. <laughs> Yeah, what, yeah. what do you want to know? Was it in the playbook? Was it a scheme question? What, what, what did he come at you with? No, no, no. He was just asking me. He was just telling me about, you know, gaining the team trust as far as, like, how okay. we operated and, and uh, how the guys feel about high days and low days. High days when we go full speed. Low days is when we take it easy, you know. And um, hopefully the guys don't get frustrated uh, with the approach that we take. So. You know, the music's playing. It saved you. You're saved by the music, Keontae, because I was going to bag on you for USC destroying the Pac-12 and leaving for the Big Ten. I mean, come on. How does that How does that make sense, Keontae? USC and the Big Ten. Come on. It make do, it, what's going on there? It makes a lot of sense, man. It does? It, it makes a lot of sense. If you take over the Pac, you got to do something different. <laughs> well, look, we're looking forward to you and James Conner and that whole running back room. I know the narrative in the NFL is the running back position has been devalued. 
I have a feeling you guys are going to prove everyone different this year. Oh, yeah. I got a, I got that feeling, too. <laughs> Keontae, best of luck this season. Appreciate it. Yes, sir. Thank you. There you go. Keontae Ingram, Cardinals running back. You know what? He's got some downtime. Until training camp starts the end of July, we continue with the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford. Let's go. Get out of the huddle. Get your eyes to the offense. Get out of the huddle. Get your eyes to the offense. How you feeling? Good, baby. Getting all the mental adjustment checks. You know what I think we got to do a better job of? Is getting us, I'm yelling at the offense. You know, get them out of the huddle and get your eyes to the offense. We shouldn't be like mulling around, like looking around at each other. Like get your eyes to the offense so we can start identifying. Be ahead of the motion. Yeah, like we got to break, get in and out of the huddle, get. Yeah, a little too late. We got guys like kind of moving around, this and that. Like you set that tempo. Get in and out of the huddle. Let's go. That's what I was talking about off the top of the show. It's a little clip there. Jonathan Gannon wired up at OTAs. He's talking to Kaiser White, his quarterback of the defense, the middle linebacker. I tell you, Rob Fredrickson sitting in for Ron Wolfley, Paul Calvisi over here, and, and it's a simple age-old question, but not everyone agrees. So true or false, Rob Fredrickson, a team takes on the personality of its head coach. Uh, that's the that's, that's total truth. That's, that's truth and true in, in business, in life. Um, you take on the personality of your leader and because that's that's the position that person is in, a leadership role. You did the college thing, right, Michigan State? Yeah. You did the pro thing, you know, the Lions and the Cardinals and the Raiders, former first-round pick. Does it have staying power, that sort of energy, with a bunch of grown men with mortgages and kids to support, you know, that whole energy thing? How do you think that works over the course of an entire season? And I bring that up in the context yeah. that, it is genuine. I mean, from all all aspects and perspectives, I mean, that is just genuine, natural energy that you get 24-7 with Jonathan Gannon. It works easier in college because you have a bit more control over the players. Um, where it wears thin in the professional game is when you keep stacking losses after losses after losses. And, and you know, you keep hearing that same message. That's where it can, it can wear thin on these guys. Uh, you're right. They got mortgages. They're, they're professionals. They're adults. Um, you got to find a way to motivate them. But yet you can't be too rah-rah because – at the end of the day, these, yeah. these guys are professionals. Yeah, and it's not to say that he is rah-rah all the time. I shouldn't give that right. that sense because, you know, look, we've heard stories, Zayvon Collins, with, with a great story in the offseason about how he came into meeting number one, team meeting number one, and he's eating his eggs. He's got his breakfast, his little bowl from the cafeteria, and the next day he shows up and his number's up on the PowerPoint. He, got, he was put on blast by Jonathan Gannon, yeah. thou shalt not multitask in one of my team meetings. Because if you're eating breakfast, then you're not 100% undivided attention on the task at hand, which is this scheme that we're learning about. So I think a lot of that has been instilled. Guys have learned quickly. Uh, They've made a few decisions on a couple of players, former first-round picks. Zayvon Collins we'll get to in a minute. Isaiah Simmons is now running exclusively with the defensive backs. And by that we mean that appears to be the one position he is going to be tasked with until he proves he can really execute that position. In fact, Isaiah was talking to the media about just that. I've been with the defensive backs so far. Um, so, uh, you know, we're just kind of taking it from there as of now. So moving forward, I'll be with the defensive backs. I feel like I got a real good grasp on the playbook. 
Everybody in the building is real cool. Everybody uh, knew who we've added, players, staff-wise. Uh, so I'm doing good. What's your take? You've watched Isaiah Simmons' entire Cardinals career. What do you think about where he's at, and where do you think he's going as a player? A phenomenal athlete. Uh, coming out of Clemson, he played virtually every position on defense in college, and, and all that was on tape. So, you know, I, I can see where, where a, a talent evaluator would be mesmerized with, with just the, the raw talent that this player has. And, you know, drafting him and bringing him in here and then moving him around to different positions, lineback- inside linebacker, rushing on the outside, um, slot corner, some safety, deep middle safety, um, it can be a little overwhelming, especially for a young player, um, because there's so much more in this game versus the college game in terms of responsibilities defensively and, and when motions and, and shifts and, and things the offense does pre-snap, those, those change those responsibilities, and you have to then change what you're doing. And that, that can all happen in a, in a snap of a finger. So um, that, was, that was a lot put on Isaiah early on. So I, I give him the benefit of the doubt from, from that respect. Um, as a player, again, you know, he's, he's extremely talented. He's, it, he's a linear player in, right. in my estimation. And what I mean by that is he's a straight line guy. You know, he's, he's got the straight line speed, um, and, and he's got the straight line ex, ex, explosion. Um, where he struggles though, is, is that change of direction. And maybe, maybe he's got some tight hips where he, you know, he can't get in and out of cuts and, and, and that, that shows up. Uh, in coverage situations. Yeah, the line that he was drafted to cover the tight end hasn't always excelled in that role, especially against the Travis Kelseys and George Kittles of the world. Yeah, it's not just tight ends either. It's it's running backs coming out of the backfield. Uh, I remember early on, I think maybe it was his first game against San Francisco, he he was exposed early on. And, and um, I, you know, I, the coaching staff may have done him a disservice back then you know in in terms of coaching him up and getting him prepared for those situations because it is different than college you know the running back's going to run routes differently tight ends are going to run routes differently better and maybe his college resume was a disservice to him in some ways he played so many positions at Clemson I think it caught the intrigue of the Cardinals coaches the previous staff and said wow okay we can make him an x-factor the quarterback's going to break the huddle where's Isaiah Simmons he could be anywhere on any given play and we're going to dial him up accordingly and never quite mastered one position so you've seen Nick Rallis and Jonathan Gannon tell him you're with the safeties you're going to be right behind Buda Baker and Jalen Thompson we'll see now we'll see if he's in the slot quite a bit in certain packages because if you look at the percentage of snaps played Slot corner was the most he played of any position last year, so he could be used, especially if you're thin at corner in this particular roster. We'll see about that. But that's obviously a very intriguing storyline throughout Cardinals camp. How does he adapt? You know, can he be that guy? And then you have Zayvon Collins, who was taken round one a year later, who was your Mike linebacker a year ago. He's now on the outside. At least he's been there the entirety of the offseason. And fellow outside linebacker Dennis Gardak had this to say this week. He's got to be one of the smartest outside backers there's ever been. Just coming from inside, he knows how everything's tied together so well. Um, so he's incredibly smart. And then he's actually huge, yeah, if you guys haven't noticed. I saw a picture of me next to him, and I look like his kid brother. So, <laughs> and, he, and he's not kidding. I mean, he's every bit of 6'4", might be closer to 6'5". He's 260-plus. He can move. You talk about covering the running backs and tight ends. I thought that was an underrated part of his game last year. He was really good in coverage downfield at times. 
What do you think? You played outside linebacker for you know all those years in the NFL. How does Zayvon Collins make the transition? In your opinion? Yeah, it's a it's a totally different uh, move for Zayvon Collins going from middle linebacker to outside linebacker in in this scheme where where he's basically coming off the edge. He's an edge rusher. Um, I played outside linebacker. I was I was a coverage linebacker. So um, totally different. But uh, Zayvon, you know, just looking at him from a physical standpoint, um, he he's got all the tools. He has the, he's he's got a got the burst off the line of scrimmage. He's got the size. He's got the strength. Um, and and you heard Gardek talking about his intelligence. So he's got all of the things there. Um, but again, just just. You know, just like Isaiah Simmons, it's not the easiest thing in the world to just snap your fingers and say, "Okay, you're you're our outside pass rusher now." Um, there, there's a there's guys that spend their entire careers and, and and through college and through high school learning the craft of pass rushing. It's not just like you can just put a guy out there and say, "Go get me twelve sacks this year." And, you know that that's yeah. that's a tall order, and so you know that's that's going to be interesting to see his development. I th- I think for both of those guys, Zavid Collins and, and Isaiah Simmons, this is a big time prove it year. For everything that Nick Rowless and Drew Petzing and Jeff Rogers, the coordinators, bring to this Cardinals coaching staff, to me, the potential MVP of this staff, Rob Rodriguez, the outside linebackers coach who was with ASU, Zavid Collins, a Dennis Gardeck, a BJ Ojolari. You got a Cam Thomas, a, a My J Sanders in year two. Guys who got to take that leap. I mean, he's got a tall task. You know, eighteen year, thirty six sacks walked out the door last year, yeah. and Zach Allen and JJ Watt, and now you have a Zayvon Collins who, who look as as the skill set. And what's interesting, Rob, you tell me, Gardeck went on and said that it's going to be so much easier to play outside backer versus Mike because now look, it's real simple. Either the play's coming at you or it's going away from you that it's going to be so much easier to diagnose and react as opposed to playing Mike Linebacker, not to mention he's no longer calling the defense and responsible for getting everybody aligned. Well, I, I, I agree. The, the responsibilities are, are more simplified, more distilled at, at outside linebacker when, when your primary purpose is to get pressure on the quarterback versus middle linebacker where you have to diagnose everything and see everything um, and communicate pre-snap and post-snap with all the other players. So, you know, there, there's a lot more on your plate as a middle linebacker versus an outside linebacker from the mental standpoint. Um, but physically, again, it, it's, it's a new learning curve for him, and, he, and he's going to have to see how, you know, how, how, how quickly he can pick that up. By the way, Josh Woods, veteran inside linebacker, said this week to Wolf and Luke that he thinks Zayvon Quote is going to be an amazing player in this league. He doesn't even know all he can do at outside linebacker. I thought that was an intriguing comment. Hey, team up with the Cardinals and State Farm by donating a backpack filled with school supplies for students in need in the Tempe Elementary School District. Support the virtual back-to-school drive now through June 23rd. Visit azcardinals.com slash back-to-school. That's azcardinals.com slash back-to-school. We'll talk offense and wide receiver next with Rob Fredrickson and the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. Shotgun takes the snap, drops back to pass, looks right, throws right, more caught at 30, turns right, 25-20, Moore breaks a tackle to the 10, to the 5, touchdown! There's the explosive play from Rondale Moore we have been waiting for. Shotgun formation, snap to Murray, quick throw left side, it's caught at the 1 and into the end zone. 
for the touchdown is Greg Dortz. Murray in an empty set in shotgun takes the snap. Three-step drop, looks over the middle, throws, and it's caught by Brown. First down, makes a man miss at the 15, cuts right to the 10, and Brown is into the end zone for the touchdown. Hollywood Brown has been spectacular. What an incredible play by Hollywood Brown. He was spectacular. First six games of the season, no argument. He was top five, top seven in catches and receiving yards. I mean, it was for a Cardinals offense that really never hit full stride all year, but Hollywood Brown was producing. And Rob Fredersen sitting in for Ron Wolfie, her day passed there on the call. Welcome back into the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan, Ford, and Gilbert. Who needs size as a receiver when you get separation, right? That's the mantra with those three guys. They have enough quickness and burst and hopefully the route running that they effectively separate from the defensive back. Now, we say that. Of course, the Cardinals added some size at the position in the offseason. We'll get a little bit into that. But rarely were those three together a year ago. And now minus DeAndre Hopkins, it would appear those guys are going to get their share of reps. What do you think might be in store in their future this season? Well, you mentioned no DeAndre Hopkins. I think that might be a hot take here. I think that might be a good thing for this offense and for Kyler Murray, for his growth and and just for – Hollywood and for Rondell Moore and for Greg Dorch, I, I think it might be good for them um, in that I think at times Kyler relied a little bit too much on his safety blanket, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, especially when, when things got off schedule. And so, I, you know, I, I think he's going to spread the ball around a little bit more, uh, get it to the tight ends, get it to the backs of the backfield. And um, if Rondell Moore can stay healthy, you know, him and him in the slot position or Dorch, um, you know, Dorch, Dorch showed a lot last year um so i think you know i think he's really got something to build off of and and hollywood brown you know speed kills it, it still does in this league and you mentioned it if, if you got the speed to to get that separation um kyler can find those those receivers jonathan gannon talked about from a db's perspective because that's the position group he coached the most in the nfl just how hollywood brown can get you at different points in a route he has those different explosive levels in his route running so it's very curious as to how he might be utilized, especially minus a DeAndre Hopkins. In fact, he was asked about his expected role, Marquise Hollywood Brown, with Wolf and Luke. I'm really excited about the offense. I feel like we're going to have a balanced attack. I'm going to be used in uh, different ways. You know, he's going to put me in the best ways for me to succeed. And it might look different each and every game. That's one thing that I like. Uh, my role could be different going from game to game. And I'm excited about that. I, I tell you. You know, you think about the way he was used in Baltimore, right? When he was third option at best, right? It was run first, Mark Andrews second, Hollywood Brown third. Last year with DeAndre Hopkins, to your point, when he wasn't the security blanket, I thought Kyler was guilty sometimes of forcing balls to D-Hop. Maybe he didn't want to hear about it on the sideline. But there was an unmistakable chemistry between Kyler and Hollywood Brown from the get-go last year, was there not? Well, they've had that chemistry for years, right? Dating back to their times at at Oklahoma. So, yeah, there's definitely chemistry there between uh, Kyler and and Hollywood. So, and that's something that you know you you want to build on as as an offense. Obviously, uh, Hollywood's going to be the number one option in this offense, but. Um, you know, with the new regime coming in and with, with Gannon instilling this, this new culture of, of just, you know, giving your all on every play, regardless of if the ball is coming to you, I think that that's going to that's gonna matter more than anything because 
it's going to force defenses to play you honestly. Uh, in, in, you know, in the past, if, if a receiver wasn't getting the ball, he'd barely jog. And it was so frustrating to yep. watch, you know, as a, as a former player. Frustrating, I bet, for fans to watch. These, these guys just kind of jogging through their routes, knowing that they're not getting the ball. Well, you know, make, make the defensive back and make the safety respect you and make them not cheat. And make them, you know, um, accountable as well. So, you know, that, that's what I'm excited to see from this wide receiver group this and year. Oh, and, oh, by the way, Hollywood Brown in a contract here. Yeah. So I think you're going to see all-out effort. Uh, not that you wouldn't. I mean, he's a baller to begin with. Talks about his background going yeah. the junior college route, et cetera. But it's interesting to know that every receiver at in a free agency or the draft was six foot or taller, including a Zach Pascal, who's six two and very physical. And then there's the draft pick, six foot two Michael Wilson, the third rounder out of Stanford, and he was asked this week how he's progressed in his rookie offseason. I feel really confident. Um, I think if I had to grade myself, I think I've done pretty well. Um, I think I've made the plays that have come my way. I, I've showed up. Um, consistent in my personality, consistent in my work, and I've just attacked every day, just not really trying to do too much to impress anyone, but just show up and be consistent and be myself. And I think if you do that for long enough, you'll start to earn respect from guys. Man, if there's one rookie who can hit in camp and really be relied upon, I think all Cardinals fans hope it is Michael Wilson, who had some really bad luck with injuries in his last three years at Stanford. He had a broken collarbone, he had a foot, he had a hand, but he really stood out at the Senior Bowl He already has his degree from Stanford. He's highly intelligent, and they've been putting him at various positions, but mainly the X. I think you have to figure that out, right? The outside receiver in this scheme, whether it's a Michael Wilson, whether it's Hollywood Brown, whether it's Zach Pascal, whether it's all the above, that's really where you have to replace a DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, it is, and and Michael Wilson with his size being 6'2 and and 215 pounds – um, you know, you, you want, you need guys with, with some size and some beef that, that can go up and get those 50-50 balls. Because um, not, every, not every route is, is going to have separation. You know, these, these cornerbacks get paid too, and, and they're, they're professionals, and, and there's going to be some tight, tight windows. And to have somebody with that, that kind of size and, the, and that kind of uh, presence out there um, and, and to be able to, to catch the ball with their hands, uh, you know, I, I, th- I think that's huge. And, and Michael Wilson, it, again, it's, it's just like every other player on this team. It's a prove-it year. Yep. You know, he, he talked about not trying to impress anyone, just trying to do his job. Well, that's great. Um, and, and you've done everything that's been asked of you in the, in the, in the, in the offseason and, and in the mini camps. But coming up here, it's going to be prove-it time. And you know what? You, to me, my opinion, agree or disagree, you can tell quite a bit about a receiver or a defensive back in the offseason. Linemen, nah, they're not in pads. It's right. not full contact. But you can tell, does he fight the football? Yep. What's his route running like? Is he getting separation? Conversely, corners, are they sticking with the receivers? So when you look at a Michael Wilson or a six-rounder like Keetrell Clark, the corner, and those two have been battling a lot yep. in, in, in these offseason, and they talked about that. They've really, you know, iron sharpening iron kind of thing. But I think in those two position groups, you can see whether you have potential when you get to the regular season. Yeah, and I, I think it's, it's the one time where it's a little easier for the defensive guy is, is these offseason uh, mini camps and OTAs. Um, because they, they they watch and they go against these wide receivers all the time, all day, and they see them on film and they know their tendencies and they know the route combinations that the offense are throwing. So they they can kind of jump things a little bit and 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 cheat a little bit. But that that's the only time where the defense is going to have the advantage. But you're right, 
um, it, it's a great time for, for wide receivers and for defensive backs to really hone their craft. Is there one area that you're thinking, okay, Jonathan Gannon wants an answer here early in camp, whether it's that defensive line room that's wide open, whether it's corner, what's the pecking order? Do I have three legit corners? Whether it's the rookies and the receiver. I mean, what do you think early in camp a new head coach is looking for, especially in this circumstance? Because we know sometimes the decision makers will watch the first couple of days of padded practice and then realize they have a need in certain spots. You know, I, I, I think Jonathan Gannon really wants to instill that, that Philadelphia Eagles mentality and that blueprint of, of offensive line and defensive line. Um, those, are, those are really the, the two position groups that, in my mind, um, have resulted in, in the Philadelphia Eagles having so much success recently. And if he can bring that blueprint and, and bring that here to Arizona and have any measurable somewhat near amount of success is what they had in Philadelphia. I, I consider that a win. I'm quoting Zach Ertz. I think you can see what they are prioritizing as an organization now, being the O-line and D-line. And he said that's the hallmark of a team if you want to have consistency. You can have all the skill guys you want. You lose a couple offensive linemen, it's really tough to win in this league. Yeah. End quote Zach Ertz, who, by the way, was with Jonathan Gannon for half a season yep. in Philadelphia. Hey, single game tickets on sale now. Go to azcardinals.com slash buy tickets to secure your seats today. As always, special thanks, Jim Omohundro, Cody Fincher, Keontae Ingram, Cardinals running back, Rob Fredrickson. Rob, great to have you back. And we will see you next week on the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford. You've been listening to The Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Are you Santan Ford? State Farm. Talk to an agent today at 800-STATE-FARM. And by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Arizona Cardinals Football Club.